church, you can grab a seat real quickly. I want you to imagine for a moment, maybe go back in your memory and maybe think about maybe a prophetic word or a dream that God's spoken to you, maybe a word that he's given you. Maybe if it helps, you can close your eyes for just a brief moment and imagine it. Imagine what that was, that dream, that God-inspired dream, maybe that prophetic word. And maybe if you don't have one, maybe imagine that dream holiday, that dream destination where you want to be. Maybe not where you are yet, but what you hope to end up, where you hope to go, where you hope to visit. You know, sometimes there's a tension and a space between where we want to be and where we currently are. And oftentimes it's what we do in that middle, in that tension point, that can determine the actual outcome of the promise and the dream that God's given us. You know, sometimes I like to imagine this moment of going to a theme park. I don't know if you've been to a theme park before. Anyone love theme parks? Just me. I'm a big kid. I love rides, roller coasters, water slides, whatever it is. Woo! It's fun. Have you ever been there and you've been in the queue and you've seen the ride that you want to go on? It's there. It's big. It's huge. You're like, yes. It's going to be the best time ever. Oh my goodness. I'm excited. And you get there, but then you realize in the queue that you're standing there and there's a space between where you want to be on the ride and when you currently are and you're like, how long is this? And then they got really cruel in the 21st century and started installing those markers that tell you how long, like an ETA till your turn on the ride. And it's like half an hour. And more than that, sometimes there's the really annoying queue. You think you're closer than you actually are. You're standing there and you're like, it's right there. But then you realize the queue kind of just goes this way, but then it goes this way, and it goes back, and you kind of snake around, and you're like, it's so close, but so far, and I've got to wait. Hopefully this morning we can come around God's word, and I'm hoping that God will provide us some hints of what we can do in the waiting, how we can remain dedicated when we're faced with the delay on the way to the dream that God's given us. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, I wonder if you could open at John chapter 11, verse 1 to 44. We're going to go through a big chunk of scripture. Hopefully you can stay with me. Um, We'll go through it together, break it down. And I'm praying that God will speak to you and give you some key points and how you can remain dedicated in the delay. Are you ready? Let's go. John 11, 1 to 44, it's the raising of Lazarus. says this, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So two sisters to Jesus, telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So he loved Lazarus, but he stayed where he was for two days. He purposely delayed. And sometimes I wonder, why would God delay something? Why would God, even though he loved Lazarus, delay going to him and helping him? And look, at this time, people knew that Jesus could heal, that he could restore sight, he could heal lepers. And Lazarus was sick, but Jesus delayed two days. What I want you to realize is that God already spoke a word, a promise to Mary and Martha, to the messenger, and said his sickness will not end in death. And oftentimes, God speaks a promise over our lives. 
He gives us a word. He provides a word in season, a rue word, a rima word, something that we can hold on to, we can grab, we can rely on, and we can go back to. You know, in the Bible, there's over 5,000 promises from God. I encourage you to pick up this book. Find some. God often gives us promises that we can hold on to. And so although he wasn't going straight away, he stayed where he was for two days, he already spoke a promise. Lazarus' sickness won't end in death. And so it's how we hold on to that promise that can determine the outcome of the situation we face. You know what? Sometimes just because God gives us a promise, a word, doesn't mean it's going to happen straight away. I don't know if anyone else has found that. Maybe it's just me. He's not like a McDonald's or a KFC where you make your order and you pay and they go, yep, it's all good, we'll give you your food, and then you get it like two minutes later. God doesn't often work like that. You know, in the Bible, Paul often talks about growing and maturing in our faith and that being a time, an endurance thing. And over the time and the endurance and perseverance of our faith, we grow stronger and more mature in God. That We can stand, we can be an example to others around us. And so sometimes, maybe it's in the delay and in that space between where God is strengthening us. Oftentimes it's slow. Oftentimes it seems like nothing's really happening at all. But as we remain in Him, remember the promises that He's spoken over us, we can grow from strength to strength in our faith in Him. We can get stronger in the Word, stronger in our belief and trust and hope in Him. You know, it's like going to the gym. You go once and you're like, whoa, I'm going to get huge. You realize you've got to commit to it. You've got to keep going and keep going back. Keep committing to the word and the promise and the outcome of what you want to achieve. And over time, not straight away, is where you get the result of what you hoped for at the start. And so we've got to remember the promises that God's given us, the words, the dreams he's given to you individually, uniquely for you. Let's keep going. Verse 8 says this. Disciples objected and they said, Rabbi, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Why would you go there again? Maybe that's just me. I wouldn't go there if I was Jesus. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight in every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'm going to go wake him up. Just a real quick side note. I love random comments that Jesus has in the Bible. Um, You'd read that and you'd be like, why was that there? Cool. Yes, there's day, there's night, it's light, it's dark, that helps. What I realised is that oftentimes there's a set amount of time where we can work, where we can have these things. Now, oftentimes we don't know the time it's going to take to achieve the dream and the goal that God's called us to. But what we do and can do is use that time that he has given us. We don't know when it might be, but in that space between, in that time while we're waiting, we can work We can work out our faith. We can remember the promise that God's given us. We can commit to it. We can get stronger in our word. We can keep going and pressing into Jesus and abiding in him, knowing that eventually it will come to pass. What he says is true. What he says will happen. When Jesus said to the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake, he didn't tell them there was a storm coming, but he said, you'll get to the other side of the lake. So don't worry about it. And so what we do in that time is important. Verse 12 says this, The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. That's normally what happens when you're sick. You have to sleep and you get better. It's all good. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply asleep, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come on, let's go see him. 
Now, I love Thomas in this next part because Thomas, we know him as the doubter, but they didn't know him as the doubter at this point in time. Um, he was kind of just passive-aggressive in this moment. And I love it because Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus because we're probably going to get stoned because that's what was trying to happen the other day. And sometimes when God gives us a promise or a plan, he wants to take us out of our comfort zone to a place where there's risk, where it's hard, where it's uncomfortable. And sometimes it can feel like you're going to walk up into a place where you're going to get stoned. You're going into a enemy lines, behind enemy lines. God's called you. He's given you a purpose. We've got to remember it. But sometimes in our human nature, we get so afraid. We're like, oh my goodness, it's dangerous. It's going to go bad. They're going to throw stones. Oftentimes, yes, they will throw stones. Oftentimes, yeah, it does hurt, but we remember the promises of God. And I remember a story in the Old Testament when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know what? They got told to bow. They didn't bow. And King Nebuchadnezzar was like, well, if you don't bow, I have to throw you in the furnace. But they went in the furnace, and what happened? There was a fourth person in the furnace with them. It was Jesus walking. And sometimes we can go to those uncomfortable moments, those uncomfortable spaces, but we know that we have God with us. God in us and through us, working. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He has a plan, a purpose for you. If there's a pulse in your life, there's a purpose in your life, and God's not done yet. Let's keep going. It says this, verse 17, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Awesome. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. And the point I want to get from this and highlight to you is, what is your proclamation in the pain? We remember the promise that God's given us, but oftentimes you also have to choose what we say when it's hard. What is your confession in the chaos? When everything seems to be going haywire, what will you say? What will you say to others? What will you say to yourself? What will you even say to God? What do you choose to speak over your life? You know, I love Martha in this moment. She says this. At first she goes, yes. I believe he will rise when everyone else rises. And then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 27, Martha says, yes, I believe. I've always believed you are the Messiah. You know what? Sometimes we have to choose to proclaim that God is good enough, even though the circumstance doesn't say it. Sometimes we've got to remember the promise that God's given us and choose to believe that he can do it, even when it doesn't seem like there's hope or any certainty of what's going on. We just have to choose to proclaim that God is good enough, that he is the Messiah, that he knows what's going on. You know, so often we get lost and sidetracked when we don't know what's happening. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good, plans to not to harm you, but to give you prosper, to give you hope and a future. 
You know, God has plans for you, not just one. And oftentimes we think they're our plans. They're my plans. No, it says he has plans for us. And so we don't have to get lost and confused and scared when they're not going according to what we think is the plan because ultimately he holds them. And you know what? God is the creator of heaven and earth. He created all things in and through him. And if he's the one that has the plan, that's got a purpose, I'm going to be pretty confident that he's going to accomplish it no matter what. You know, the Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his plans. They're God's plans. And so we can choose to rely on the authority of Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah and what he says will come to pass. And so when we don't know what to proclaim, good, and that he holds the plans, that he'll make a way. Let's keep going. So it goes down, verse 30, it says this, Jesus had stayed outside the village at a place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Just on that proclamation in the pain, I love the difference between Mary and Martha in these moments. You know, Martha at the start said, oh, if only you'd been here, but you know what, even now you are the Messiah. But still Mary hasn't yet quite caught on this revelation. She just said, if only you'd been here. How many times do we, when something comes up, something obstructs the plan or whatever we're planning to do and working out and something happens, we go, oh, well, if only it was different. If only that hadn't happened. If only it still went according to the plan. If only, if only. Are we saying if only in our life when things change or when things move? Or are we just going, God's got this. He's got it in the bag. He said, go to the other side. I'm going to go to the other side. Even though there's a storm in the middle, we're still going to make it. Even though Paul, in the Bible, he heard the plan of God to move and spread the word and spread the gospel around the world, he didn't know all the hardships he'd face, but he chose to believe and trust that God would achieve all he called him to do. And so it's not an if only, it's, you know what? It's God's got this. It doesn't matter what happens. If only God will continue to move through it, then I can continue to work through this. Verse 33 says this, When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people outside wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him? But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when it seems like the situation or the circumstance or the delay is just too hard, just give up. Just lose hope. Well, if only that happened, this wouldn't have happened, so what's the point in trying anymore, right? It's going to be too hard. We'll just shut that down. And so often in life I've found we close doors to where things God's called us to. Because it seems like there's a loss of hope, a loss of faith, we shut the door to it. We go, well, it couldn't happen anymore. 
There's no way in my perspective, in my human thinking or understanding that it could still happen. So I'm just going to shut that dream off. Just going to stop there, close that one down. And you know what? We're not going to talk about it. We're going to seal it because it's going to stink if we bring it up again. If we try to open like the little door or crack again, it's just going to smell too bad again that we can't get into it. You know what? This is where it really gets good in this story. Verse 40, if you're still with me. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you'd see God's glory if you believe? So often in times, we just need a reminder of the promise that God's given us. Didn't I tell you you'd see the glory of God if you still believe? If you still believe, what's the glory of God going to show through your circumstance, your situation? What could it look like? Here we go. So they rolled the stone aside, even though it was stinky and smelly. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so they will believe that you sent me. You know what? God always hears you. So no matter what your circumstance, your situation, God always hears you. So when you're maybe in that hard situation, the proclamation could just be, God, help. He'll hear you. You can say, God, I don't know what to do anymore. God will hear you. You can say, Jesus, I don't know what's going on in this situation, this circumstance that I'm facing right now, but I need to hear your word. I need you to speak to me. God hears you. God does speak to us. He gave us his word. We can go back to this. We can read it. It can bring strength. It can bring confidence. It can bring a hope and a future for your soul. It can give you the strength and confidence to trust in him again, to believe that what he said will come to pass, to believe that promise that he gave you at the start. Jesus shouted after saying this. He said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, hands and feet, were bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. You know what, if you hear nothing else this morning, it's this. It doesn't matter if the circumstance or situation or that dream that God gave you has been delayed. It doesn't even matter if maybe that circumstance, that situation is Lazarus in this moment and it's dead. God can bring it back to life. God can redeem and restore any circumstance, any situation. Maybe it's a broken down relationship. Maybe it's a work thing. Maybe it's a finance thing. Doesn't matter. God can redeem it and restore it. You know what? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. All who believe in me will have eternal life as well. This is our God. This is what he did on the cross when he died for you and me, for our sins. What are our sins? Our sins are anything that separates us from the love of God, anything that keeps us from right standing with him. But Jesus came and he died that we could believe again in him, have a relationship with the Father. And you know, sometimes those dead things in our lives, those delayed things in our lives, he can bring back to fruition. Like I said before, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his plan and purpose. You know what? God spoke the word. God spoke the promise. And although it didn't look like it at the time, although Lazarus had been dead in his grave for four days, heads and feet bowed, God brought him back. And for us today, God can bring that situation back. You know, I like to think of other times in the Bible as well where God did a similar thing. You know, he spoke to Ezekiel, the prophet. He took him to a valley where there was just dry bones all out. And God said, son of man, what do you see? And he just said, I see dry bones. But God said, look again, speak to the dry bones. They would live Speak to those dead things in our lives, those dead circumstances, those dead situations. Speak to them. 
prophesy and declare God's word, God's truth over them, that they may come back to life, that they may be restored. Though it doesn't look like anything, though it doesn't look like there's hope, God's there and he is the hope of humanity. He is the hope of the world. And if God said it, then we can believe it, we can trust it because he is the Messiah, the creator of heaven and earth, the king of all. You know what? I also think of Paul and Silas. They're there doing what God's called them to do and they end up in prison. But what do they do in prison? Well, they don't know how long they're going to be there for, but they do know that there's other people in prison with them. And although the circumstance wasn't quite what they expected, they still chose to proclaim God's word, God's truth. So what they do in their prison cell, they start singing. They start worshipping. You know, even when you're bound and you're stuck in a prison cell in your life, we can just declare God's word again, God's truth. We remember the promise. We choose to proclaim his word. What happened? When all seemed lost at the last second, Jesus came through and made a way. He brought them out. And so what is it in our life, in our lives? Is it just that sin that separates us, that keeps us dead in our sin, away from the life of Jesus Christ? Well, God came to redeem and restore that. He died for us so we could be in a relationship with him again. Is it a circumstance with work, with finance, with friends, with family? Is it a situation where there seems like hope is lost, where there's no way out? God can make a way. He can bring it back to life. You know what, well, it doesn't exclusively say this in this verse, but I like to add this third part onto this of how we can remain dedicated in the delay. And that's praise. We remember the promises that God speaks to us. We choose to proclaim his word, his truth over them. And then we just give him praise for everything he's already done. But even more so, we give him praise for those moments when he turns them around. You know what, he spoke in the start that it would be all for God's glory. And so we praise him because the circumstance and situation works out all for his glory. You know what, those circumstances, those delays, even those things that seem to be dead can become a testimony in our lives. You know, how we often go and evangelize to other people is just the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. We can share what God did in, in and through our life, how when it seemed like hope was lost in our life, God made it, made it through, made a way through, made a way forward for us to go. When it seemed like hope was lost, God brought hope. He restored what is it for us? And how do we give him praise for all those moments? I'm wondering this morning, as we sit here, if I can pray for you and with you. And as we pray, I just encourage you to remember those promises that God's spoken to you. Maybe you're facing a circumstance or situation where it seems like there's a loss of hope or it seems like it's been delayed far beyond what you expected or it even seems dead. We're going to pray that we remember God's word and what he spoke over it. We're going to choose to proclaim his truth over it and we're going to give him praise for everything he can do in and through it. So God, thank you this morning that you are working, that you are moving. God, we choose to rest in you. God, though sometimes the circumstances and situations seem hard, the odds seem stacked against us, oftentimes that's where you choose to work. Where we are weak, you are strong. And God, right now, we choose to remember those promises that you spoke over us, over our lives. We choose to remember what your word says about us, what your word says about the situation. Not only do we choose to remember it, we choose to proclaim it. 
We choose to start speaking it over our lives, over the lives of those around us. We choose to declare your word in situations where there seems no hope. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you made a way, that you were the way, the truth, and the life. And God, right now we give you praise for everything you have done. God, we look back over our lives and we see where you worked. We see where you weaved things together. God, though we didn't see it in the time, we see it now. And we choose to believe in the future that you will continue to work all things together for your good. God, that it would bring glory to you again. God, and where circumstances seem so lost, so broken, that they might even seem appear dead. God, we know that you came to restore. You came to redeem. And so right now, we believe in you that you can do it. We choose to say that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, sent from God. And God, we know right now that you can work. You can redeem. You can restore. You can bring life where there's brokenness. You can bring hope where there's hopelessness. You can bring your abundant Zoe life that you talk about. God, we choose to remain in you. You are the vine. We're just the branches, God. We choose to remain in you, the life source of us. God, we'd be nothing without you. Without your word, without your power, without your presence, without your love, without you guiding us, without you leading us, without you speaking in and through us. God, so we choose to remain in you again. We choose to look back at those moments and begin to prophesy and declare that dry bones will live. Dead things will come back around in our lives. God, not based on anything we can do, but based on everything you are. It's all back to who you are. You know, right now, I think, is an appropriate time to just reflect in worship. So the team's going to lead us. I encourage you to stand to your feet. Just choose to give Him praise in this moment, in this season.